Happy almost Independence Day. These summer holidays often seem to bring a change of pace, perhaps a day off from work, maybe a cookout with friends or family. I know that some local fireworks displays have been postponed due to weather, but I'm sure people will find other ways to celebrate. Whatever your week holds, I hope there is some time for rest and renewal. But a holiday marking independence, be it the 4th of July or Juneteenth, which we just observed recently, might also be a time for us to reflect more broadly on what it means to be set free to be liberated from one way of life in order to live in a different way, what it means to no longer situate yourself under one structure, organization, authority, realm, or dominion, and to change your location, if you will, to another way of being and living and ordering communal life. If we are no longer ruled by one system, what is the new system that we choose? How do we go about living as people with newfound freedom? The scripture passage for today takes up the question of being set free at another level altogether. We are encouraged to remember that we are those who, by being united with Christ, have been brought from death to life. We are no longer under the dominion of sin, but we live under grace. Today's short passage comes right after a longer discussion about Christ's death, which says the death Jesus died. He died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. What was the death Jesus died? His death was a violent death. At the hands of the authorities in a culturally sanctioned manner, Jesus died a violent death. Having fully lived in God's way of generous welcome, Jesus embodied divine love speaking peace and bringing healing. Jesus was most at home with those whom society had shoved to the margins. He engaged in conversations and shared meals with those who had not always been treated as God's beloved. But Jesus' way of peace was seen as a threat to the powers of the day. He was publicly executed in broad daylight, 
by militarized guards. The soldiers with weapons in hand mocked him as he died. The one who came to teach our feet to walk in the ways of peace was beaten and killed by public officials. The death he died, he died once for all to break the powers of sin and death. And so the violence Jesus experienced stands as a beacon shining upon all systems that perpetuate violence of any kind. A group of Catholic bishops in Latin America gathered in 1977 to describe a culture of pervasive violence and to recommit themselves to working to undo violence of any form. They wrote, we live in a whole climate of violence. There is violence in the area of economics by reason of acute fiscal crises, the repeated devaluation of our currencies, unemployment, and soaring taxes, the burden of which ultimately falls primarily on the poor and helpless. There is violence at the political level as our people in varying degrees are deprived of their right of self-expression and self-determination and the exercise of their civil rights. Here we may not scurry for cover to empty theories or hide behind condemnations of one group by another. The violence is here, it is a fact. Injustice exists, this is reality. As Christians, we may not abide this, we may not allow ourselves to grow accustomed to evil least of all an evil that is daily and constant, end quote. That was written more than 45 years ago, but it could have been written this week in this place. What kind of violence are we seeing around us right now? Affirmative action was ended this week by the Supreme Court, ruling that race could not be considered a factor in college admissions. But as one headline put it, affirmative action for white college applicants is still here. Legacy admits, athletic recruits, and the children of donors, faculty members, and VIPs still have a leg up under the Supreme Court's new, real, new ruling because, of course, white students are overrepresented in those categories. As Ibram X. Kendi and Uma Jayakumar write, race neutral is the new separate but equal. In another ruling, 
The Supreme Court ruled in favor of a web design business who refuses to provide services for same-sex weddings. In her dissenting opinion, Justice Sotomayor wrote, today the court, for the first time in its history, grants a business open to the public a constitutional right to refuse to serve members of a protected class. Our Constitution contains no right to refuse service to a disfavored group. This is heartbreaking." End quote. And yesterday, on July 1st, the state of Florida was set to put into place a number of pieces of legislation, including the Protections of Medical Conscience Bill, which grants healthcare providers and facilities the ability to refuse nearly any medical service based on their moral, ethical, or religious beliefs. Under that law in that state, medical professionals do not have to provide potentially life-saving medical care if they, for some reason, have differing beliefs from the patient. What kind of violence are we seeing around us? How are people being harmed? What forces are exercising dominion? We still live in a violent world. Richard Rohr writes, the root of violence is the illusion of separation from God, from being itself, and from being one with everyone and everything. When we don't know we are connected, we will invariably resort to some form of violence to get the dignity and power we lack. As you know, the Apostle Paul was a religious leader from quite early in his life. Then known by the name Saul, he led people of faith and was certain that he was doing the right thing. During the time that he was in leadership, changes came about, changes that he did not agree with. And so, convinced that he was somehow defending a notion of truth, he became militarized in order to protect established religion. He sought out the members of a new splinter group, The Way, which would later become known as Christianity. So committed to his cause was Paul that he would go to any lengths needed to defend what he thought was right, even physical violence, even violence to the point of death. And one of the early leaders among the first followers of Jesus was someone named Stephen. The religious establishment became enraged with Stephen and put him to death by stoning. And it was Saul, Paul, who oversaw this violent death. 
The book of Acts writes, Saul approved of their killing him. And Saul's stamp of approval on that one violent death set the stage for widespread persecution of Christians. Where does violence come from? How does it grow? How can it ever change? For Saul, there was a dramatic change. He had a disarming encounter with the risen Christ, the vulnerable, compassionate Christ who was pleading with him, Saul, Saul, why? That encounter caused Saul to change, to be blinded for three days, and to wake up a new person. No longer residing under the dominion of violence, he took up a new residence in the locus of grace. Paul then went on to write our passage for today, no longer present your, your members to sin as instruments of wickedness but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. The violence must end. We must work for its termination more than ever. If Jesus had died and had not been raised, we would have no reason for hope. Then we would be lost to violence. But God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. God showed us the resilience of renewing love through the resurrection. The government working through militarized soldiers might have thought that they won for a couple of days. But on the third day, it was clear, God's power can overcome violence. And the witness of the crucified Christ stands. Jesus' violent death exposes and calls to account all systems of violence. Again, Richard Rohr writes, when we can become little enough, naked enough, and honest enough, then we will ironically find that we are more than enough. At this place of poverty and freedom, we have nothing to prove and nothing to protect. Here we can connect with everything and everyone. Everything belongs. This cuts violence at its roots before there is even a basis for fear or greed, the things that usually cause us to be angry, suspicious, and violent. To be clear, it is inconceivable that a true Christian would be racist, anti-Semitic, xenophobic, homophobic, or bigoted toward any other group or individual, especially the poor and vulnerable, which seems to be an acceptable American prejudice. To end the cycle of violence, our actions must flow from our, our authentic identity as love.
end quote. So friends, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. As we give ourselves as instruments of righteousness, we align ourselves with God's ways of new life. As we pray and listen, we find God's guidance in walking the paths of justice. We can do so as people firmly rooted in a location of grace. Thanks be to God. Amen.